This is Tell Me Something Good About Retail with Bob Fibbs, the retail doctor. You need the tools in your backpack. And that summarization is really the flashlight. I'm going to shine a light on one I just heard. And I'm going to tell you the story you just told me. Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail with your host, Bob Fibbs the champion for a more human connection in retail for over 30 years as a retail doctor. Bob is the authority on brick and mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest luxury brands to independent retailers of all sizes. Today, I'm speaking with Christine Miles, founder and CEO of Equipped. And she's an award-winning author, a professional keynote speaker, a lot like me, consultant, entrepreneur, and expert in the field of listening differently. She was awarded the 2023 Enterprising Women of the Year Award by Enterprising Women Magazine. Welcome, Christine. Thanks for having me. Well, I have to ask you, what is it costing us not to listen? Well, I think it's costing us quite a lot. Sometimes it's death by a thousand cuts. Sometimes we don't know what it's costing us until it's too late. It could be in our marriages and our relationships, in our retail stores. And, um, you know, sometimes it's very obvious that we, we lose customers, we lose friends. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you become an expert at expert listening? Well, my, it's really from my childhood. I, I grew up with a mother who had mental health issues that stemmed from her losing her mother at a very young age. So I learned to listen differently. I can remember as young as five that I was starting to pay attention what was below the surface. And what that led to was that I kind of realized, probably starting in high school, that if I was ever achieving anything, it was because I had the ability to listen a little differently not because of any other skill or competency that I had. So what I realized when I went into my profession, first in the field of psychology and then in the field of psychology of business, is that the reason I was succeeding were sometimes the reason people were failing. They didn't know how to listen to their employees. They didn't know how to listen to their customers, their prospects, their their partners. And so that's really where, where the work began was creating a common language around listening, which we don't have since we're told to listen and not taught. I can't believe we're talking about listening. You just made me remember about my mom. My mom was an eighth grade science teacher in Glendale, California. <clears throat> she was having trouble with these kids were not listening at all. And my mom ended up, I've still got to do something with this project, but she recorded, she took a, a piece of origami paper. She was doing my niece at that time. And she came up with this listening with Mary Ellen. So she would play a little snippet every day of instruction. And you took the paper and you had to, turn it a certain way and and you'd put the numbers on it at the end of, I think it was three minutes, maybe okay. five minutes. She took it, threw it away. Next day, start again. She found mm. out that after a semester, the kids that could do it, their grades went up a full level. And it wasn't just in her class, but across all of them. Wow. And a lot of resistance came from teachers. They didn't see the point to listening. You know what I'm saying? It was more like testing is more important. But those little bite-sized exercises of actually listening, um, give us an example. What would be one way right now? Well, I, I, I just have to comment about what you just told me because it's so important. So let me do that. So Great. the fact that you equated listening to learning is so huge because I don't think that people realize that it is a learning tool more than anything. 
that when you listen well, you're able to assimilate information, you're able to ask the right questions, solve the right problems. And when you're doing that, you are, you're learning in a totally different way. So uh, that's, that's part of our mission is to educate kids, not only for social emotional reasons, but really so they can become better learners, because when you listen well, you learn. So kudos to your mom on that. Thank you. Um, so, so there's lots of ways to become better listeners. One of the things that I just simply put in, and it's going to sound similar, but it's, it's nuanced that it's different. So, so that we learn to not only just repeat what's heard, but summarize the story that was just told to us. We call that on the, the problem that we're solving is what is it costing you not to listen? The solution is called the listening path. And that's really the path to understanding, how do you understand the meaning, the message, and the person when you're listening, rather than just actively listening or attending to them? And so on that path, when you learn to tell someone their own story, you transform how you listen. So your mom did that with the origami, right? These little snippets, listen to this and do that. But the most powerful story you can tell someone is their own. So if I'm in the grocery store and somebody tells me a, a, a minute story, if I'm able to summarize that story back, both facts and feelings, it's a powerful way to transform how you listen. Wow. But that takes learning. I can't just hear it and do it, right? I have to commit you know, to it, right? There's some other tools that help you do that more easily. But in reality, if that's what you're tasked to do, we're not, we're not practiced at that. We're not habituated at that. We're, we're taught to tell, talk, and know. So we typically listen to respond. But when you are told or you're tasked with, no, no, you have to listen to summarize the story, then we're, we're able to do it. We'll miss some things, but there's ways to affirm and get closer. But just by knowing... It's like if I asked you for 20 bucks, my chances go up that you're going to give it to me than if I never ask you. <laughs> right? So if we're, we're asked that we have to summarize first, we're going to get a lot further than if we don't even think about doing it. Now you made me think of another game I used to do in sales training was you'd have this conversation, but you couldn't go through and say anything until you could summarize in one sentence what you just heard. And then you have to build on what they said. And right. people had, a, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's probably some, I probably read it somewhere, but people had a hard time with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's counterintuitive to what we know. And there's some other, so the tool I just described on the path to understanding, because the metaphor is you wouldn't go hiking in the woods without any tools or supplies in your backpack for a couple of weeks. You'd go with food, you'd go with the tent, you'd, or you'd, that's crazy, right? But we go into the conversational woods all the time unprepared. So the idea is you need the tools in your backpack. And that summarization is really the flashlight. I'm going to shine a light on one I just heard, and I'm going to tell you the story you just told me. That's one tool. Some of the other tools help you be able to relax the brain, so that you're not content, like you're not cluttered when you're getting the story. So you're not thinking about the response necessarily. I like that a lot. I love your idea is the being able to repeat it back as the flashlight. That's so important because, um, you know, I do sales training. I have an online retail sales training program. And one of ours is part and parcel is being able to engage somebody. And we teach them all of these tools. But 
a lot of people have social anxiety around working in retail, which is kind of hard because that's what you need, right? But when I think of it, it's not that hard to solve if you just understand they haven't they haven't had their brains have to work that way, right? That that your phone is going to give you subtitles. If it doesn't, you'll scroll past it. But when there's a right. human being there, um, there are risks if you don't get it right. Yeah. Yeah. And most people are okay if you don't get it right as long as they know you're trying. So it's algebra. You have to show them the work. If you just are trying and they don't know it, that's a different problem. But if you're trying and they know it, there, there's a lot more forgiveness it's like I a believe. foreign language. They just had me, you know, we often yell louder, like, yes, that's helping. I don't speak your language. But right. We're not communicating. But that frustration becomes real, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'm an extrovert. So and I'm so people would think I can walk up to anybody and have a car. And I can. The reality is that that's not comfortable for me in a lot of ways. But how I do it is I'm. I get people to talk more than I'm talking. And so if you're socially anxious or you're not thrilled with having to interact with people, this is the way out is to listen more than talk. But again, that's counterintuitive to what the world tells us. The world tells us we have to be good at speaking when in fact, if you're good at listening, you own the room. These are such great nuggets. I'm having such a good time with Christine Miles. Now you created the listening path system so how do you believe it can transform people uh, in their listening abilities? Well, I th it really, it transforms in a, in a few ways. You, you start by transforming the conversation because the conversation's different because when you're on the listening path, you're on the path of understanding. And that's, that's a path of discovery. It's discovering the person. It's discovering the meaning. It's discovering the understanding. And so you're changing how you connect and you're changing how how your relationships, whether that's a momentary relationship or a longer term relationship, the interactions you're having with people are transformed. And that leads to huge benefits. Why do customers come back? They have a they have a great experience. I, I can't tell you the number of times people say to me, Well, I was at a hotel and the and I was having a terrible situation, and the person at the counter was like, they listened to me. And that made me want to go back despite the fact that I had a terrible experience at the hotel for this or that reason, because the way that transformed that relationship transformed the experience. So we can solve a lot of problems when we, when we have that kind of impact. That's interesting. I remember seeing a documentary. It was kind of like all these actors went to go in the rural areas to find out red and blue States, you know, what's the difference. And, and Meryl Streep sat down with this one woman and having a conversation. And the woman said, nobody listens to me. Mm. And I thought, there it is. Yeah. There it is. So I'll do yeah. this. I'll do that. No one listens to me. Mm -hmm. And so you think of how so many people are walking around with this hole in our hearts, right? Yeah. Because yeah. even in an intimate relationship, they not may not be listening to you that whole idea of what is it costing you uh, to not listen i think parents would have to be scared by that if you realize you might be part of the problem well and that's i mean that's that was my experience with my mother because my mother was someone who 
she was beautiful and funny and loving and charismatic and she lit up the room and what people didn't see was because she had a very early childhood loss she lost her mother so young that they didn't see the pain that went on below the surface. And so I was acutely aware of that from a young age. Look, that's a little screwed up too. I mean, I had, to be fair, the, the therapist and I are still unraveling that, right? Right, you know, right. That for sure. The, the, the blessing was I, I had this different skill. And, and so, but when you understand that there's more that goes on below the surface in someone, it, it, it means so much to them. And so we are, we're especially missing it in our long-term and in our partnerships and as parents We're it's called a closeness bias. We're too close to see the person. It's like curiosity goes up the further away you are from something like, you know, the first I'm in the Philly area. The first time I, I haven't seen the Liberty Bell, I have lots of questions. If I walk by it every day, I'm not so curious anymore, right? Been there, done that. So that's what that's what happens in our relationships is we we get so close, the curiosity goes goes down. We think we know, rather than we need to seek to understand. And the yeah, exactly. And the care about knowing goes down too, which is how we take advantage of people that they aren't going to say, "Hey, you're not hearing me." Right. Um, we just retreat, right? That's right. the thing. It's not intentional. It's just part of, we have to be intentional to listen differently. It's not an automatic. You have to want to look at that Liberty Bell. You have to want to see the Liberty Bell. I was golfing, this was several years ago, and I was on a golf course and it, it, we were on the 18th tee. The sun was coming down. I mean, it was gorgeous. Like the view was gorgeous. And I looked at, I was with some colleagues and I looked around. I said, now, if we were on vacation, we'd look at this tee and we'd go, wow, this is amazing. But because we live here and have played here several times, it's like nothing. And they looked at me and I'm like, let's just take it in for a moment. It's all men, of course, you know? So it's like, well, let's just take this in. And it's like, wow, you got to sometimes step back from the Monet to see the beyond the brush strokes. That's right. They were looking at the golf caddy card over there. I think that thing needs to be repainted or something. Wait a minute. We're, we're doing something else here, boys. So yeah. you did write the book. What is it costing you not to listen? And besides the key message, which I think we all can gather today, you need to listen. Um, mm -hmm. What do you hope that your readers take away from that? Well, the reason I titled the book what I did is that you, you can't solve a problem you don't know you have. And I think that's the first problem is that people don't know it's a problem because we've been told to listen, not taught. I mean, you talked about doing listening training in your sales seminars. How many people have had listening training before they come to you? Very few, right? Say, I, I know how to listen. And you talk to yeah. veteran people been on the retail. I know all this. Like, do you though? You do don't you? speak. Yep. And knowledge and experience are the great, some of the greatest enemies of listening. The more you know, and the more you've seen the same problem, the more inclined you are to rush to solving the problem and not listening. It's part of that closest bias. So, you know, you, you're a veteran salesperson, you go into a customer and you've seen that same problem 500 times. You're just doomed to go in and just try to solve. It's, it's like, the Broadway show, like you better make me feel like this is the first time you've done it, or I'm not going to be as dazzled. If you, if I watch you on the Broadway stage and it looks like you've been up there 500 times, I'm not nearly as excited as if you make me feel it's the first time you've performed. And that's uh, the, the sales thing. So, yeah. so 
what I was, what I'm hoping for through writing the book is that there's an increased awareness that this is a global problem that we need to solve, not just an individual one, that we, we absolutely need to start educating children, families, people young, rather than waiting till they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s in the hopes that they come across somebody like you, Bob, or someone like my organization oh, where we you. treat you know, where we train people that we're starting to say this is this is the foundation of communication. We'll we'll solve a lot of problems if we start to do that. So what I'm hearing you saying is we need to start a childhood to be able to get the benefits all, of all of this and that um, it's nobody's fault, but mm-hmm. we have to put a priority on that learning. That would be yeah. an example for those who are listening to the podcast intently of what I believe Christine is talking about. That's that's a pretty good flashlight right there. But it will feel uncomfortable because I knew I was doing it, which is the same thing I do in a lot of my sales t- training. It's like when you first do it, it's kind of like put on a tux and let's go for a run. You're like, this yeah. is uncomfortable. And and you're like, I know, it's not supposed to be. If it was, it would be different. Um, right. You know, you've got a highly valued, highly ranked business weekly radio show. What's some of the insights you've got from CEOs telling you and their relationship with um, listening either in their success or challenges they're dealing with right now? Well, whenever I've asked CEOs down to individual contributors, is listening important? Nobody has ever answered no. Which Now I have theories about why that is. Like who wants to say no to that? Like, no, it's not important. But I I think by and large, there is universal agreement that this is a critical life and business skill for sure. I think what's hard and is that for, for business leaders to make the connection between what listening does for their businesses and how do they, how does that change the game? even though they know it's important because it's what you said. If I'm intentional about it, I listen well. That's what most people think. If I go in with the intention to listen, I will listen. I'm doing the right things. And what I have to say about that is good intentions are not enough. I mean, I'm, I like basketball, but if I just show up to an NBA game, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be Might a great player. Might happen. Could. So, so I think, you know, that's, that's the conversations I have a lot that even though people, they know it's important and they, they make efforts to listen, the good ones. I think that they're underachieving because of the inability to really know the good, what it means to be a, a, a listener in a transformational way. And so leaders are telling you that that intention in their mind has been enough. But for example, we're modeling this uh, ability to use a flashlight to reframe and to synthesize a discussion uh, helps. What would be another way that, um, you know, it's almost like you're you're afraid that you're kind of almost in a test in some ways, right? Like, um, so what'd you hear me say uh, when we started this conversation? Like, oh my God, what am I, right? Because no one will want to play that game. And really, the game is much more internal than you teaching me, I would imagine, right? It's almost like you have to challenge yourself a little in these um, quiet moments to say, did I really understand that? I mean, I've started watching movies with subtitles on them because sometimes I can't understand the dialogue anymore. And it's a different experience. You're like, oh, that's what's going on here. 
Yeah, it's like when you read song lyrics, you're like, oh, that's what that said, right? <laughs> it's like, I had no idea. Well, so just to, so yes, that I think it can feel challenging. I think what the difference is that we're looking to create a common language around listening. So if you're in an organization, if I have, if, if I have, if I know that part of using my flashlight is going to help the meeting be more productive, <laughs> let's do it. But I may need help with that because we all get emotional, passionate, or we go off on rabbit holes. Right. And so, and again, this is only one of the tools. So if we create a common language, and this is what we do with organizations, is it, creating that common language creates efficiencies and connection and lots of benefits from a business perspective. Because if I know if I know what to do and you know what to do, we're going to be more effective. It's, it's like being in the woods together. If you know how to navigate tricky terrain and so do I, we're just going to get on the path faster. I love that idea. I love that idea. So how is the future of communications changing as more educators and business leaders, you know, invest this time into learning? Um, mm -hmm. What are you hoping for as we move forward? Well, I think we have to counterbalance what we're using in terms of technology. I think the world of AI now is saying, hey, hold on a second. <laughs> What's this mean? Like that's a good that's a good cautionary tale, isn't it? And so I I can't imagine my life without my cell phone and access to the things I have access to. And we also have to make sure like we're not eating only carbohydrates and no protein. We need to balance it. So the that's carbohydrate. We're are in, we're getting sick from only putting too much time into the into the, the digital communication. We need to counterbalance it with the human communication. And I, I think that's the gas pedal and brake. So my hope is that as we continue to accelerate in our digital technology realm, we'll also start to accelerate more in how we connect on a human level and, and learn to communicate that way. Nice. And you know, you're talking to a conductor, so my whole world has been ears. So and I right? even wiggle my ears. So listening is something my dad taught me many, many years ago. So when we come back, we're taking a little break here, but I'm going to ask you what is causing the rudeness that is rampant today. So uh, we'll continue in just a minute. You know, we love our loyal listeners, and I appreciate if you go to your favorite podcast or a video application where you're viewing this and give us a five-star review. And we'll be right back after this word from SalesRx, online retail sales training from, you know who, me. Hey, it's Bob again. I'm not only your host, but also the founder of the SalesRx online retail sales training program. How many sales that should have been yours walked out your front doors today? You know, with shoppers being more discerning about where and when they shop, you need to convert more lookers to buyers. And SalesRx is the perfect solution to make training memorable. It's bite-sized, it can fit easily into your schedules. Don't tell me you don't have time to train. If you can give them time to take a break, you have time for them to train. Now the training builds from some of the quickest ways to engage shoppers to the most advanced. Everything is planned so you can implement your sales training program with a click of a button. And there's a reason we're on four continents training thousands because SalesRx is scalable. Everybody learns the same new skills that will grow your sales. In fact, 83% of users report a double-digit increase in their sales within six months. Wouldn't you like that to be your story? Visit SalesRx to learn more and set up a call with me to see how we can help. 
That's S-A-L-E-S-R-X.com. Now back to the broadcast. All right, we're back with Christine Miles, founder and CEO of Equipped and the author of What Is It Costing You Not to Listen? So to now that everyone's been holding their breath, what is <laughs> causing the rudeness that is rampant today? Oh, it's so depressing, isn't it? It's just so, so depressing. Um, so, so I, you know, I have a master's and background in psychology. So, you know, do I have all the answers in terms of what's causing the rudeness? This is not, this is anecdotal, not uh, evidence-based, but my theory is that because of, again, all the digital technology, our expectation for answers and things to go the way we expect it to go is just so fast. I think, you know, you order something, it's there the next day or that it's there in four hours. Uh, So I think our patience level has decreased immensely because of how fast we're expecting to get things. I mean, I've been on customer service lines where they make me hold for five seconds and they're apologizing. And I'm like, for what? This isn't horse and buggy. I, I remember when we had to not Xerox something and just write it out. You know, I I don't want to live in that timing. But so that expectation. I also think that post pandemic, we're still suffering from. There's a an effect that's still occurring from being locked down, out of control. That is just that people haven't totally gotten over and identify, you know, even recognized. So it's kind of a perfect storm. And it's a shame because the wrong people are taking the brunt of it. Absolutely. People in the, in the retail stores, you know, I, in my sales training, there's a lot of times I will say when you get to this part of what I'm training, I go and bite your tongue. Yeah. I literally will do that. It's like, you need to hear what's happening. It's not your place to speak. You should know it when you're there. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, that pause and getting our um, attention uh, focused is hard. I was sharing with something a woman put on. It was funny in social media. So she's talking about her sons were, were coming in and uh, to breakfast. And they said, um, oh, my gosh, it was so hot. Last night, I had the windows open. It was terrible. And her mom, the mom said, oh, yes, it was horrible as well. And the other son said, I know what you mean. I had to put two blankets on. And you're listening like, it's funny, but it's like, were you in the same house? Yeah. And and that's kind of it, that maybe the boy ch- chose the wrong words, right? Maybe he was trying to jump in, but didn't think. But when it's just kind of amusing... No one's going to change, right? So would there have been an opportunity? Would would it be appropriate for someone to have said, is that what you meant to say? Or, you know, using the flashlight again. So you're saying that we were both saying it was too hot. And were you saying it was too cold and you needed two blankets? Would that be appropriate, Christine? Or does that feel shaming or something? What do you think? Well, I, I, I find for me... Again, path to understanding, confusion is your friend. If you're confused by something, that means you need to clarify. And so how you how you clarify is different than you know, than clarifying in and of itself. So, you know, one of the things, one of the tools on the listening path is called the compass. And I talk about this a lot. These are the the six most powerful questions you can ask somebody. 
Um, and they're what journalists and therapists use. So we tend to think that questions are the best way to show curiosity. When that's true, to some extent, they can also interfere with listening. And so if you, if you use confusion to just say, hey, hold on a second, can you just take me back and say that again? I mean, take me back or take me back to the beginning is one of those six questions. And sometimes you don't have to question, did you mean to say that or you didn't? You just go, say that again, take me back, help me understand. Um, that creates a lot of, that's a, that's kind of a, what I call a hitch step where we slow down a little bit to get to the speed up. So that in and of itself can really change the trajectory of things. I love this. We're having a great time here. I'm so glad you're on the podcast today. What are your five tips for how to deal with rudeness and listen proactively? I got yeah. it in your book, but maybe you'll give us a few of those, if not all five. Well, first of all, here's here's the the main thing I know about conflict management, right? Is that we tend to focus on the areas that we disagree when in fact the best way to navigate conflict is to focus on the areas that we agree. So you always can find areas of agreement. All right, so I, I'm, I'm going to do a mock session with you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're uh, we're living in the same we're roommates, we're college roommates and dang it, you are always eating my stuff in the refrigerator that's marked mine. Yeah. You're always doing that, and uh, it's driving me nuts. And so I think we should get separate refrigerators. This is outlandish. So where would we find the common thing that might be able to work? And if you get this wrong, that's perfectly fine. There is no right or wrong. Yeah, so no, what do I'm you think? Person, too much, I'm having a hard time being in that role because I'm too considerate. But I'll try this, Bob. <laughs> So I was ready well, for I'm you. Not. I could have done it very easily, but anyway, go ahead. Well, we first of all, I I can agree that you're completely upset with me. You're clearly upset, angry, frustrated, hurt, and you're you're fed up. Do I get you? You've got me. Yeah. So I don't have to agree that I took your sandwich or ate your stuff or the first thing I can find here is an agreement of that you're upset. And I can validate why you're upset, even if I don't agree with why you're upset. So what I, the, the normal interaction would be, I didn't take your stuff. I didn't eat your, why do you want to get separate refrigerators? Let's go right into argument mode versus let's, so this is a huge de-escalation. I tell a story in the book where I was 22 or 23 years old. I started my career as a home-based family therapist. Don't try this, knocking on people's doors. Wow, glutton for punishment, all right. The reason I got the gig was because I could listen. I, this is the only reason I was effective in this job, and I had really amazing training that they gave me simultaneously through the Children's Hospital of Philly. But my teammate and I went out to a, a home. The girl had run away. We went to find her. My, my teammate had... Pre, she was 35. I was 23. I thought she was old at the time. <laughs> she had been a social worker with authority. We had no authority. We went to this woman's house where this girl had run away to, and we're on the front porch talking to this girl. This woman came out and took a look at us and said, who the hell are you and what are you doing here? And the, my teammate, who had prior authority in her previous job, started to tell the woman, we have every right to be here. What This girl ran away. And I'm sitting there going, no, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> That's what my head was saying. As, as she was arguing with this woman, much like the debate you just gave over your roommate, three young men came out of the 
house. They had clearly, there was a lot of marijuana smell. This is a long time ago, so not legal. I was starting to feel like, oh, holy crap. And I stood up and said, hold on a second. You're upset we're here. You have every right to be upset we're here. You don't know who we are. We just showed up. We, let me explain. We came to just check on the girl. The mother's worried about her. We'll leave if you're, whatever you need us to do. She de-escalated. The, the men went back in the house. I said, is it okay if we tell the, the mother the daughter's here? She said, no problem. I said, thank you for being so kind to us. And we got in the car. And my teammate went, I'm really glad you did that. <laughs> she lost her mind. She lost her. She was so used to authority. So I didn't do anything except tell the woman the story that she was telling herself about us and not arguing with her. But rather, she she had every right to be upset. We had no business being there without her permission. So finding that area of agreement probably saved us from a much more mm. potentially dangerous situation. And I was just flashing on as a parent. You And then you could have just said, because I'm the dad. That's why. Like, that's the answer. Great. I feel better I'm engaged with you on this argument, right? Yeah. Where you go? But you're, uh, you're in a hostage negotiation of sorts when you're in, with a rude customer. That's really, you have to, so that's tip two, reframe what you're doing, okay? So the cust we know the customer's not always right. That's absurd. But we can help the customer feel right about whatever it is. So, hey, I agree, you're yelling, <laughs> You know, you're yelling. That must mean you're upset. I'm not yelling. Okay. Well, you're upset then. Oh, do we agree you're upset? I Can we agree I don't want you to be upset? That's the, you know, just notching it down. So, but you're in a hostage negotiation when you're with a rude customer. That's, that's great. You know, I, this wasn't planned for our podcast and I, you've been so good on time. I've got to be careful of not using your whole day, but there was an article about uh, Trader Joe's finally puts an end to the answer. Are they flirting with customers? And I thought this is the most, what in the world? And because people are so nice, because Trader Joe's so nice, they're flirting with me. It's like, uh, I've never seen that in a store. I wouldn't have called that behavior flirting. And what I see more often than not is they are, noticing and listening mm. but it's fascinating they would attach this name this name in some buzzfeed type of headline you know flirting yeah. with customers which is distasteful for all of us but i imagine more so for a woman yeah and the answer was unsatisfying like you know no they don't but you you've kind of drawn our attention to this word and made them try to decide why would you even think that because yeah. I think there are people that that really say, I don't want anyone to talk to me. I don't want, you know, they have supermarket baskets now. Black means you don't want any help. And red means you want help. And I'm like, yeah, what happens when you change your mind while you're holding that, right? I mean, this idea that stay away is the norm. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the norm. I think most people want help and they want to feel that they matter, don't they? They want to feel, even if they're disagreeing with you, they still want to feel that's what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's this notion that when someone says help, that means they're going to be sold to. I really think that's the the what we rebuff against is like, I just want to feel relaxed and not feel sold to and help can feel self because we are used to being 
help by giving advice. I mean, it's just a common problem in our relationships, right? And so I think that's, but that I also agree that why are we trying to put that around like a different basket? Just so I'm here to help. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you need me, I'm here I am, you know? Um, but it's, um, it's kind of nuts how we just expect people to know, just tell us right in a human way. Huh. And, yeah. and you've been so gracious with your time. Just two more questions. So as someone who has been recognized with the 2023 enterprising woman of the year award, what advice would you give uh, any entrepreneur, but I think particularly women entrepreneurs, um, especially when it comes down to mastering communication? Yeah, I think um, it's uh, it's just important that you focus on it. It's 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 so important. It's like going to the gym, and women are notoriously that feels like women are better than men at this, that because we're only because we're habituated this way, we're socialized to be more emotional than men. It's not even a, it's not even a sex thing. It's really just about how we're socialized. But I will tell you that when we get down to really the listening aspect of things, women figure out that they're not that much better than men, that we have similar problems. The difference that we'll do is be more inclined to ask about feelings and not just facts. So the one thing I would say is it's so important, especially when you're bringing staff on, because retaining talent is a really hard thing that makes sure you're devoting and putting discipline around your communication so that your staff feels that as well as your customers. Because if you don't, it can fall away pretty quickly. Agreed. I have a VA. I have two, actually. And uh, the first time I... I'd ever used one and I hired this company and they trained me. And I'm like, trained me How? what? And they, one of the biggest things takeaways was you have to know what does success look like? And yeah. so if you think success looks like this, well, great. Then you have to backtrack and think, okay, well, what would they need to do that? And then you go, yeah. oh, they need access to computer. Oh, they need access to need training on how to, oh, wow. Maybe I have a lot to think about and it's easier for my personality style is just say, well, go figure it out. Okay, great. But you really set them up to a place that isn't really a learning environment. It's a yeah. judgment environment. And I think yeah. that's what we fear in listening. Oh, I won't be understood. But if, if you're not understood the first time, what you're saying is then take me back. Um, what did I miss? Start, start me again from the beginning, right? It's a non-threatening it's on me, I guess. That's what I hear is the difference. Light bulb moment. Uh, instead of saying, you're wrong or you need to do this, like, take me back so I understand. Yeah. That that brings out that helpful part of the other person, doesn't it? It does. And it's. I believe it's everybody's responsibility. You know, if you're the business owner, you're going to, for your own good... That's going to be important. But if you, when you do that, I mean, a lot of people say to me, can you help my child learn to listen better? You help. And, you know, frankly, if you start with you, then the others, then it's easier to expect more. You can model it and then you can also ask for it. So you're giving an employee some direction. Hey, could you summarize what you just heard? Let's make sure we're on the same page. Then you can start asking for what you're giving. And then you're in a different paradigm. That's that common language um, of communication. Lovely. And again, entrepreneurs, you'll be told it's all about your pitch deck. It's all about getting your funding. It's all mission statement. Yeah, that's all there. 
But yeah. if you can't communicate that to somebody and not be afraid of it, you'll probably have less success. I think that's what we're understanding, Christine. And I've yeah. had such a great time with you today. Um, obviously, the name of my podcast is Tell Me Something Good About Retail. Um, so do that for me. Well, you know, one of the my favorite parts of retail has been with my nieces. So I have a lot of really wonderful memories of taking them shopping and just having that experience of them picking out. I mean, my one niece is 30 now and she was here a couple of weeks ago and talking about when we went into stores and what that was like and what, you know, and I just think that I created such wonderful memories with them by having that experience. So I, you know, it is really, it's fun and it's a privilege. So I'm grateful for those those experiences. I love that. I, I say that retail is the gossamer threads that build community. They form with tiny little threads. And over time, we care about the community more than we care about ourselves. So I thank you for joining me today. Christine Miles, the author of What Is It Costing You Not To Listen? You can find out more about her and this program in the About section. Thanks for joining us, Christine. Thanks for having me. It was great. You've been listening to Tell Me Something Good About Retail with Bob Fibbs, the retail doctor. As a listener, you can receive free information and guides when you visit retaildoc.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. Thanks for being with us. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. To virtually bring Bob to all of your crew and associates, check out www.salesrx.com.